Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk a little about gypsum. Now, gypsum is not a miracle product, but it has a lot of fits out there. So we'll talk about when and where it does fit on the show today. If you've got any questions about that or anything agronomically you'd like to visit about, our number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. All right, so with gypsum, I'll give you a couple things here, and then we'll get to the agphd mailbag. Gypsum is calcium sulfate. And I didn't even remember that, that this was going to be our topic today until I walked in. And I, I think it's ironic that it turned out to be our topic because I was just mentioning this product to some agronomists. And I said, let me just give you a quick example. I've got a yard and I just tried to pull soil samples last night. And granted, it hasn't rained in a really long time. But I said, I literally had to jump on the soil probe and even then didn't work too well. So a lot of people have lawns that are really tight where they're kind of compacted, they have lots of magnesium, they're just flat out tight. One of the things, one of the products that people will use to loosen that tight soil that's got a lot of magnesium and stuff is gypsum. And after they use gypsum for maybe a couple years, they go, oh boy, my soil is softer. Well, yeah, because here's the way calcium works. It is, it, it's big, in size in comparison to magnesium. And when you have an ample amount of calcium in your soil, you have better soil porosity and your soil will just seem a little bit softer. So anyway, gypsum is a nice product to get calcium out there. It's also a pretty nice product to get sulfur out there. So a lot of people say, well, boy, look at my soil tests and my sulfur levels are terrible. Now granted, I mean, there are a lot of different forms of sulfur and I, I will just say, like on our own farm, almost every time we're putting nitrogen out, we're putting sulfur out at the same time because we do need a lot of sulfur. But in gypsum, it, again, it's calcium sulfate. So you do get sulfur out there in addition, in addition to that calcium, and that's really nice. All right, so we'll talk more about gypsum throughout the show today. But right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. All right, Brian, I uh, got a couple of manure samples that came in. You have to pull up your email on this because we didn't get them printed for some reason. It didn't print. Uh, but I get this email from Travis. He said, hey, I'm working with a couple of farmers here who just finished up corn, and uh, they've noticed each spring uh, applied manure on the field. They had the worst standability and worst yields even on good ground. Just wondering, is there something about the manure? Is there something about the fertility? What's going on here that that we're having these standability issues, even where, I mean, you would think things would be great. Yeah, that is a, is a great question. Manure, again, we're, ta- we're talking about gypsum we have, on today's program. Yeah, but and, do we have soil tests? Uh, yeah. We do? Uh, well, not on your forwarded email here. Just a second. Let me... This is great radio right yeah. now, dear. Well, it, we're talking about gypsum today, <laughs> and I think this is perfect timing for this. All that, I see is two manure samples. Yeah. That, well, doesn't, that doesn't tell me what it is. Okay. We just got the manure samples. Yeah. Yep, that's right. not going to help me. We don't have soil samples. Nope, that's not going to help me. 
So okay, uh, yeah. So, so so Travis, we well, need the soil samples, and then we can tell you because I, I oh did it say how much manure they were putting on? That's the real question. How no. much manure are we putting out well, there? The, the and he, real no, question he is, what's the soil? He doesn't say how much the farmers it. are putting out each but, year. So that's the okay. that's the thing to look at. Because looking at the manure, is there anything wrong with I, the manure? I don't see anything wrong I, with the manure. I, I, it's I, just a question of how much are you putting out there and what does your soil actually need for fertility? So if it's fields that have been manured like every single year, there there could be some issues there, but... Yeah, I uh, yeah. We I, we don't have enough information to even answer this question. So we, here here's what we need. We need complete soil tests, and I'd like to know what's the rate of manure getting applied every year, and then and then we can answer the question a lot better. So my assumption is you're still low on potassium. That that's my assumption, and it also would hurt if you put manure on in excess because now you've got too much salt and here again i was just talking to some agronomists about gypsum i also talked to him and gave him an example of a farmer who had a lodged corn issue and i said all right it isn't the case for this guy because here look at his soil test but i said excess salt can cause a lot of problems for us too because that tremendously weakens and can damage that plant and now it doesn't stand as well so it really could be a variety of things. Send us a soil test and tell us how much manure is getting applied, and we'll answer that for you. All right. Uh, this one comes in from Brandon. He said, all right, guys, I uh, wonder if you could talk about the pros and cons of chisel plowing versus using a ripper in both corn and soybeans. I'm in central Minnesota. A lot of farmers use either one of those, a chisel plow or a ripper, with the front disc up in soybean ground. Yeah. In corn ground, they rip with the disc down, and I was just seeing Herman Warsaw saying, that chisel plows, just watching an old video, uh, chisel plow, he chisel plowed everything and goes as deep as he can go, even on bean ground. Uh, also, it seems moldboard plows are coming back in this area and a few. Um, okay, you're only leaving me a minute to answer this ground. question. It may take more than that. With sure. the moldboard plow, part of the reason why it's coming back is because a lot of people have reduced tillage and built soil organic matter and under fertilized. When you have been building soil organic matter using reduced tillage for, let's call it, 10 years. You've built a lot of things up, and it's going to get slowly released over time. When you pull out the moldboard plow, you are going to quickly release a lot of things in a short period of time. So all of a sudden, it's like you put on a whole bunch more fertility, your soil was also warmer, and you go, wow, this is great. That's not going to last long term. But if you just want to try it one year, I get it. Okay, so... With the chisel plow thing, yeah, we've done a lot of chisel plowing over the years, too, just to bust things up, and, and mainly it's busting up compaction a little bit deeper. With ripping, I look at that as more of turning the soil, and so it just depends on what you want to do. I, I, I like busting things up in many cases as opposed to turning soil, especially if I've got different subsoil and shallow topsoil, but you know, either way actually can work. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Just because your combine is one brand doesn't mean its corn head should be the same, especially when it costs you yield. Drago corn heads are engineered to harvest more. Lowest profile saves ears, self-adjusting deck plates save kernels, longer knife rollers reduce trash, and aggressive gathering chains pick up stocks. No other corn head works like a Drago or pays you back like one. See more features and find your Drago dealer at dragotech.com. 
Looking for post-harvest weed control this fall? New Farm brings you Panther SC, an animal when it comes to speed of control and long residual on a broad spectrum of tough broadleaf weeds like mare's tail, palmer amaranth, and water hemp. And did we mention convenience? Panther SC works for post-harvest, pre-plant, and pre-emerge treatments from harvest to canopy. New Farm and Panther SC. Go to newfarm.com forward slash US crop to learn more. It came on a night like any other, with power unlike anything else on Earth. Using beyond advanced active ingredients like bicyclopyrone, Acuron GT post-emergence corn herbicide is here to annihilate tough weeds. Advanced technology, enhanced control. Talk to your Syngenta retailer about Acuron GT. Always read and follow label instructions. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We are talking about gypsum on today's program, and we're taking your calls and questions throughout at 844-44-AG-PHD. And uh, gypsum is always a good topic because there are a lot of different ways that it gets used, a lot of different places it gets used. And uh, we're talking about calcium sulfate here. And we're real happy to have Glenn Harris with us right now down at University of Georgia. Glenn, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, is gypsum something that gets used down in Georgia too? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, we use it on peanuts because peanuts are very unique. If they don't have calcium in the soil to absorb right into the nuts, they won't fill out, and that obviously really hurts your yields. And we also use it on vegetable um, production. We have quite a bit of vegetable production in South Georgia and in the southeast, and uh, you, you've heard of blossom and rot. And uh, so it's, it's commonly used to uh, provide some extra calcium to things like tomatoes and peppers, et cetera, so you won't get blossom end rot. Interesting. Interesting. So basically it's a calcium supplement. Yeah, it's more calcium than sulfur. Um, um, in the case of peanuts, for example, um, you know, um, they're good scavengers of sulfur, so they probably don't need a lot of the additional sulfur. And we have a lot of ways to get sulfur on our other crops, things like cotton and uh, uh, corn. You know, we have ammonium sulfate and and um, ammonium thiosulfate and other sources. So really the, the biggest uses in, in, in Georgia for sure for, for gypsum are peanuts and, and vegetables. Interesting. Okay, so I do like the idea, too, that this is an available source of calcium, and, and we've got a lot of growers that have low calcium soils. That can be a positive thing to use this. We also have some uh, in some of our clay soils that, that get really high, uh, I mean, percentage of calcium just through the roof and parts per million through the roof, yet we seem to see the plant struggling to bring in calcium, sometimes applying or an available source like this can, can really help plants. What type of calcium soils have you got? Have you got high calcium soils too, or are most of the soils yeah, there low? 
Yeah, our our soils are inherently low in fertility, so they'll be low in pH and uh, and low in fertility. So you know our, our native soils will be pretty low in calcium, and of course we lime, which uh, we have to lime for pH, which brings our calcium up. And uh, but we definitely have to uh, um, you know pay attention to calcium to, to maintain good levels. Uh, we can't overdo it. If you if you overdo it with lime and gypsum both, um, you know you might start interfering with potassium nutrition because. Again, we're low on everything, so it's kind of a balance there. Uh, but we don't see that too often. Um, but again, if you're if you're liming um, where you're supposed to be and and putting gypsum on a peanut, we usually have some decent calcium level. All right. Now you mentioned several different crops here with peanuts and tomatoes and peppers, and I'm, I'm sure there are others that are getting gypsum applications. Is it always in a broadcast, or are some of the guys uh, banding it or, or doing different things if they've got different irrigation systems, that type of thing? Yeah, we pretty much ban or uh, broadcast the gypsum. We used to ban it on peanuts, actually, but it took a little more labor, and we actually used a different source. That's the other thing. Uh, uh, they're all calcium sulfates, but we have actually changed the actual source. Uh, there's naturally mined um, gypsums. There's a byproduct of the phosphorus industry, and and now a lot of what we're using is a um, you know the smokestack scrubbed gypsum from the power plant. So, um, but back we used to band it on peanuts, but it just got too much costly. You know, it was costly with, with labor and everything. So we pretty much broadcast it. The same with vegetables; they'll broadcast the lime and gypsum. And then they might they might bed the land and put plastic down and that kind of thing, but they're still they're still pretty much broadcasting the gypsum. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, like you say, it's uh, it's still calcium sulfate, but but there are a lot of different places to source this from. And uh, you mentioned uh, scrubbing the the smokestacks, and we used to get that for free. Brian would talk about this all the time. He's like, "Man, we used to get all that sulfur for free." I'm like, "I'd much rather have it in a product like gypsum than having to breathe that in every day." So I, I don't have a problem with that. I, I don't know what farmers <laughs> down there think. Are they as are they as tight as my brother Glenn? Where they could complain about that about cleaner air? <laughs> Well, well, budgets are pretty tight right now. As you know, <laughs> for <a lot> of, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, it, the whole purpose was to, you know, to reduce acid rain, which is a good thing. And, and yes, that is true. We used to get the sulfur just come at, uh, down out of the sky for us. But, um, you know, this way we can, we can target it a little more. I mean, there might be some land that you don't necessarily need to put gypsum on every year or whatever. So now we can kind of purposely. And, and it goes back to, I'm sure you cover all the time, it goes back to you need good soil samples so you know where to put it when when you don't need it. You bet. Yeah. Hey, one last thing. You mentioned broadcasting the the gypsum out there, and I know sulfate moves through soil pretty well. And generally in Georgia, you get rain. Uh, not always, but generally you get some rain eventually. Uh, do you find it that you can use this in no-till, or do you really like to see it tilled in? Oh, uh, that's a good question. We do have um, some conservation tills. We don't do strict no-till, but we do what we call strip till. And uh, the calcium and gypsum will be mobile enough on something like a peanut because we only got to get it three inches down. That's where the peanuts are formed. Um, so, so you certainly can use the gypsum on on peanuts in a in a, in a reduced tillage. And uh, and but most of our vegetables are conventional tilled, so they're probably gonna they're gonna probably incorporate it. 
Interesting stuff. Yeah, it's it's fun talking to to folks in different parts of the country here just to see how things are used. We're talking about gypsum today, and of course we got Glenn Harris on here from University of Georgia. Glenn, thank you so much. We really appreciate all the input and and all the insight that you give us. And thanks for talking a little bit about some crops that don't get much play on Ag PhD, including peanuts and peppers and tomatoes on today's show. Yeah, we think they're pretty important. And uh, but thanks for having me. Uh, always good to be with you. You bet. Yeah, I love eating every one of those crops. I'm, I'm totally good with that. So, uh, Brian, you know, we have different ways that we're doing things up here, different crops that we're into. What are some things that stood out to you or what are some other points you wanted to make? Well, the first one is something that I opened the show with. Some people think that gypsum is a miracle product. Please know what you're getting before you just say, well, I heard that gypsum solves all my soil issues. Well, maybe, but let's look at your soil test first. If you don't need calcium and you don't need sulfur, I struggle to understand how you're going to need gypsum. So the other thing that we get as a misconception about gypsum is that it's not going to change your pH. Okay, gypsum by itself is pH neutral. However, if let's say I have excess sodium in my soil or excess magnesium in my soil, it is possible if you could replace the magnesium or sodium with calcium that you could over time lower your pH a little bit. All right. So gypsum, again, on its own is pH neutral. You don't have to worry that, oh, it's going to really raise my pH or really lower my pH or anything like that. But if the reason why your pH is high or low is because of a nutrient that gypsum may be able to help you flush out of the soil and you replace that with calcium that's in the gypsum, then it is possible that over time, very slowly, your pH could change a little bit. Uh, beyond that, a lot of people ask about the rates, like how much should I put on? And that depends an awful lot on what that soil test says. So some people will put a ton of gypsum on and other people will put 50 pounds of gypsum on. So yeah, it just depends on what you're trying to, to accomplish out there and what your soil test looks like. And then the other thing is we get questions about, well, can I band gypsum? In fact, we were talking about this, I don't remember, Monday or Tuesday on the show with Caleb out in Wisconsin, and he was asking about gypsum and other products that, that could be banded like with a strip-till machine. Can gypsum be banded with strip-till? Yeah, it can. I mean, I would say we don't want to get carried away on anything that we are banding, but it'd be hard to get way carried away on gypsum, I would assume, because a lot of people are talking just a few pounds, like again, 50 pounds or something like that. No real big deal. But yeah, if you were to put a thousand pounds all in a in a strip, well, that that may cause some issues for you short term. That's it's kind of hard to say. Again, we'd have to look at the soil test. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that, that's the main stuff I'm I can come up with. I, I guess I'll 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 leave you again with this: that gypsum is calcium sulfate, and so if you need calcium, and or if you need sulfur then you may want to take a look at this product. It does fit very nicely in a lot of situations. And like we were talking about just a little bit ago with uh, with Glenn Harris, there are many different sources too. So you obviously have to look at the cost, but in your area, gypsum could be a reasonable thing to buy as a soil amendment. Stay tuned. We'll talk more gypsum right after this. 
When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference. From early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield, impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Top Grower. Request your starter kit at newfarm.com forward slash top grower, but don't delay. Contest ends November 30th. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. See full rules. Newfarm.com forward slash top grower. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. If we only had 20 words to talk about AgBiome, we would say we are agricultural innovators focused on unlocking the power of the microbial world to deliver unique, effective crop protection solutions. If we only had five words, we'd say learn more at agbiome.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from FarmShop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio Broadcasting from the Morton Studio today, talking about gypsum, calcium sulfate. And I know a lot of fertility going on fields, a lot of soil amendments going out on fields right now, and this is certainly one we take a lot of questions about. Uh, one guy that we like to turn to sometimes on our show is Dick Goff. He's talked a lot about calcium over the years, done a lot of training with farmers, well, farmers and agronomists pretty much everywhere. So, Dick, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. Oh, very good. I'm glad to be here. 
Well, yeah. it's kind of like when we have a drain tile show, I think there's not going to be enough time for Brian to talk. But when we're talking calcium, we only have an hour-long show here, Dick. So I know we aren't going to get everything you know about calcium. I'm joking here. But calcium sulfate is certainly a product that, that gets used a lot. So Brian mentioned it's not a silver bullet. But uh, it can be pretty good in a lot of circumstances. So where, where do you look on soil tests? What's going to tell you that, that gypsum could be a good solution for your field? Well, yeah. Uh, actually, I had written down a few notes here before I, I heard the broadcast. <clears throat> am, am I coming through clear? I've you bet. Kind of you bet. You're fine. Uh, coming uh, uh before, and I jotted down some things. One of the things I run into more often in explaining things to farmers and that, and I still have some one-hour sessions about every other week with somebody around the country, and uh, they want a nice one, you know, yes or no or something on these questions, and it don't work that way. And remember on a soil test that when we're looking at the availability of calcium versus magnesium and the other nutrients. We're working with a percent of the total holding capacity or the percent of what the CEC rating is, which is a guideline to the holding capacity. And the thing to remember, and we didn't catch on to this until probably 25, 30 years ago, but the proportion changes as the soil type changes. You get into our CECs of 50, uh, well, 115, 17, 18, 20, 22, down there, which catches a lot of your heavier soils, not the river bottom ones, but a lot of heavier soils. And a three to four to one between percent calcium, percent magnesium, indicates a situation in which there's probably more calcium becoming available during the cropping season. Now, what I want to get at on that is this. When a root goes through, it's going to take up so much calcium. When the next root uh, comes through, and they all keep coming back down through the same zones, what we're looking at is studies that have shown that re the recharge of the soil is best in those soils when we've got a calcium-magnesium ratio. I, I'm up to more four than a three to one anymore, uh, but uh, that needs to be higher. But as the soil gets lighter, keep in mind, you don't have as much soil holding capacity, but that soil still needs to supply that critical calcium to the plants and to the early plants especially because it will compete with potassium and that's where we can get in trouble with some manures and that is where too much calcium well not, not excuse me too much potassium and not enough calcium would spring applied i've seen it on soybeans seen it on corn ran into it in several areas over the years as far back as in the 70s and where the, we have an interaction there. Well, Ohio State has proven that there is an interaction and uh, calcium availability or potash are inner, the interlock. If you've got too much K, you put the calcium on, 
that offsets off too much cake. And that's one of the things we see in manure. And that all depends on the type and the cattle and the, all the stuff that's going on. But when you look at, at that, we need a ratio of up to 10 to 1 in our silts on the western edge of Iowa. You start getting down in these holding capacities of 15, 16, uh, sands. Uh, I don't know, the sky is almost the limit because you, you do not have that holding capacity and, and the calcium, I feel, is just as important as nitrogen, phosphate, potash, and that calcium and sulfur are in my book ahead of them, everything else, right after nitrogen. Yeah, calcium and that, certainly... that principle, cer- I see, needs oh. to be looked at in how much do I use, what do I use it with, and I heard one, it was a spring applied, yeah, I, manure, I, if I can avoid it, I don't, don't want to see manure applied in the spring at all. It should be put on in the fall. Well, there's but a lot, we there's a lot more risk. Happen. There's a lot more risk in the spring, no doubt about that. Hey, let me, let me circle back here. So you said in these lighter soils, lower holding capacity, and I know a lot of our listeners have got even lighter soils than Western Iowa. Uh, in those, you're saying a 10 to 1 calcium to magnesium ratio, or, or what should we look at there? No, 10 to 1, uh, yeah, yeah, 10 to 1, uh, uh, but the percent proportion on calcium, we need to be, yeah, uh, that, because those are the two major components in your soil, is your calcium and your magnesium. And that you're looking at parts per million, Dick, or where are you looking at that? At percent saturation. At base saturation. That's, That's the key, because that's the proportion of what it could totally hold. If we just look at our numbers on our test, when you get off of that one plot that that test was on, you're lost. And you don't make the adjustments. You need to look at that proportion. That's that's interesting. Saturation. It's it's a wider gap than we've got. And you think about that 10 to 1. If you wanted to run uh, 10% um well, let's just say 8% magnesium, then you'd have to run 80% calcium in the base saturation. Yeah, and that's about what happens a lot of times in those sandy soils because the magnesium will leach faster than the calcium will. Oh, sure, will. sure. Yep, yep. And, okay. it, and it converts just like when magnesium, uh, it, when the, or testing got screwed up. Well, I, I don't mean that the way, but it, it got with more intense equipment, this high caliber equipment, and it would take more out. There was hardly ever any change in magnesium, but this calcium changed like crazy and everybody got all upset. Well, what's going on? Well, calcium is not as soluble and leachable on the soil as magnesium is. It says that's the simple aspect of it. And whether we can put the calcium on, we've had, I made notes here, I, I, if we got two hours, I could, I could cover them all. <laughs> I, but, I know uh, you could, and it would, be, it would be thrilling all the way through because this is the fun thing. For, for anybody who's hearing Dick Goff for the first time, 
I say, boy, here's a guy, Dick's been in this industry for a long time. He's still up to date on all these new studies that are coming out and, and what the difference is. And a lot of these things don't really change in soil. We have to have soluble and available calcium or we're going to have plant problems. And, and you've seen that, Dick, across right. a wide variety of soils and crops. Even the medical field, where do you go with citricale? Why they do that? I know my doctor <laughs> mentioned that to me. Well, get some uh, vitamin C now with the zinc, so you take more up. I said, "We, I've been doing that for 20 years in agriculture. What do you mean? Yeah, that's not new. You know, that didn't go over real good. Whatever, but it was, <laughs> it, it, well, what, uh, I, I think there's the a lot reality of, of things. There's a lot of crossover, whether we're talking about livestock, whether we're talking about human health, whether we're talking about plants. I mean, the same nutrients, they, they function in a certain way that we do understand. And you're right. It's something where, where we need to watch those things. Dick, if you got a little bit more time, could we hold you for one more segment? Oh, I've got nothing but time. More rude than you do. <laughs> okay. Well, well, hang on just one second. Uh, for all our listeners, uh, as you're hearing this day, we're talking about calcium. We're talking about gypsum. And our phone lines are open as well at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back with more with Dick Goff right after this. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Introducing our most advanced technology from Hypro, the 9915 series diaphragm pumps. Upgraded with corrosion-resistant materials and a multi-piston design to work longer and harder in any condition. Hypro, right on technology, right on target. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference. From early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield, impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Top Grower. Request your starter kit at newfarm.com forward slash top grower, but don't delay. Contest ends November 30th. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. See full rules. Newfarm.com forward slash top grower. Compromise is nice, if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's Revitec fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill, and take your full prize in yields with Revitec fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow label directions. Get the most out of every acre of your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February with seven full days of events on the docket, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information that we can't wait to share. 
And best of all, these events are free. Register today at agphd.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Martin studio today talking a little about gypsum. And in our last segment and in this one, we are pleased to be joined by our good friend Dick Goff. He's from over in Minnesota. And he's a wealth of knowledge, not just on gypsum, but on pretty much all soil fertility questions we've ever had. So, Dick, tell us something we might not know about gypsum. Anything that that you maybe haven't mentioned on our show before or anything that kind of stands out to you that we might not know or, or farmers might not know about gypsum? Uh, they're really new. I mean, it, it's been out for two or three years, I think. There's uh, two of the branch uh, uh, research farms in Illinois, not the main one, but branch ones. Okay. One came out with an article that they felt num- calcium was number one only to nitrogen. The other one came out with sulfur on that same thing, <laughs> but they affected sulfur on the grain development. Yeah. And I and then yet they 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 did this research, but yet how do we get it on right at at that time when grain filling happens? Yep. When that plant starts transporting nitrogen to the ear and filling out, and those bottom leaves drop, they figured we needed about thirty pounds more sulfur because you got to have the sulfur to get the good quality grain. Now, you brought up an interesting thing there. How do you get it at the right time? So just a couple days ago, we had a caller caller from Wisconsin who said, I want to use some elemental sulfur because I'm worried about putting sulfate out in the fall and leaching it away. I got medium textured soils. And in Wisconsin, I mean, it's cold, not like super wet or anything. But, But anyway, talk to us about that a little bit. If I put gypsum out in the fall, how long can I expect that sulfate to last in a medium to heavy soil in our region of the country? I don't think there's any problem there. Uh, if they're in that lighter sandy soil, in fact, I got one of the examples here I ran into back in the 70s down in an irrigated area by Janesville down there where they were having a lot of standability problems Yep. on one of our corn hybrids mm-hmm. and this, we were discussing it and I had no idea which way to go. And that, but he said, you know, he said, I am going to just go out and put some lime on this field, see, and high calcium lime. Yep. He said, before I do that lay-by cultivation, which we don't do anymore, I would guess. But he, where he did that, all of a sudden, everything was standing. 
no problems at all. So talk, talk, talk to us a little bit more about that, because usually when it's standability, the first thing's potassium. People also talk just a little about manganese and copper. And then uh, the other big issue we see quite commonly now is really high corn planting populations, like really high. So where, right. where does this calcium thing fit into all that? Well, the calcium right from the word go in the spring tend to balance off the potash. Ohio State had data back a number of years ago with all kinds of hybrids where they actually lowered 10%, 15% in the yield of that, of that hybrid when they had potassium phosphate potash put on in the fall. I mean, excuse me, put on in the spring because it was getting too much potash available too quick to that young plant because potash only needed some moisture to become available uh, to to that young plant, but it wasn't getting enough calcium because the breakdown there depended on more biological activity or being applied in a form that was available. And that is where the issue of the nitrogen, the ammonium sulfate, and this type of thing. And the thing we need to remember is that it isn't just the calcium, the sulfur. All the work I've seen done, we got a whole bunch of secondary interactions. Uh, yeah, especially in our lighter soils, Colorado and, and you know, some over in Michigan and that where they go in and you can put gypsum right in the row with the corn or beans or anything. There's no, uh, we have not, not, and work has been done with up to 70 pounds yep. per acre, just right in row. Yep. And they have tremendous increase in zinc, manganese, copper, boron, all these secondaries because of that sulfuricid reaction and that's what you get after that and maybe it's more just the calcium availability <laughs> there's a there's an issue there where I don't I don't know of any research that sorted that out because you get the whole thing done okay so let me let me and I think it's these compound interactions that are important yeah because you know you can't get statistics on it. You can't get good research on it because there's all these interactions, but uh, I, I think gypsum is loaded with them. Things. All right. Let me, you, you, you brought up this spring application of K and maybe too much K too quick. Are you saying that by getting the calcium out there that to some degree safens the K, helps bring it into the uh, plant and it can use it better or what? Well, when they put the calcium out there, and that was another study they'd done. They put calcium out there with that K, then there was no problem. And looking at it, in other words, the K was too available, too easy. The calcium wasn't. And so by putting some out there, it made it more available. And I think this is the same thing we're seeing here because of the interactions. I, I can go through just many of them here where... Uh, too much lime was put on yep. on an irrigation system in uh, uh, up by St. Cloud, sandy, lighter, not real sandy, about ten percent clay in it, but it was you know that's a light soil, and uh, 
the fella made a mistake and we'd recommended a thousand pounds of high calcium lime yep. and he ended up with eight. <laughs> Uh, one mistake he made, the dealer made, and they got the thing he put on, and you know, everybody had all kinds of, well, you're going to might as well plow it up, you might as well do this. I said, just go ahead and plant it. I said, I don't see a problem. Best, uh, best and we had that data for seven years on that. What happened after the first year, the potash, doubled in the soil test and he hadn't put on enough even for the alfalfa to take off and it doubled in availability and the phosphorus didn't get tied up it became more available and these are some things that people are assuming happen on that but unless they're looking at that proportion and what it is in there and the availability and what the young plant will do and what's available early and what's not, all these things are interacting. And like I said, some fellas call and sometimes they want a quick, nice, quick answer, but an hour later we might get it sorted out. <laughs> I do like the stories, though, Dick, of, oh, we had this mistake and it actually turned out for good. We often tell people, try things on your farm and don't be afraid to go nuts just on a few acres and let's see if anything happens a lot of times it might be bad but sometimes could be good hey dick we got to get running today but we really appreciate having you on the show uh you're just such a wealth of information uh so thank you very much hope you're doing well over there and uh we'll hope to have you on again soon sometime well i look forward to it it could be almost any of them. I listen to your questions, I could spend a lot of time answering them. <laughs> and they're along the same line you would answer them, but like some of this other stuff fits in. Yep, we'll have to get you on here a lot more often, Dick. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. You bet. Have a good evening now. Yep, you too. Yeah, always great stuff there, and and there's no substitute for having that experience and and being open-minded to look at different things. And that's one of the things, too, that we always encourage on our show is doing things the exact same way every year gets you the same results. And if you're going backwards, like on some of these tough spots of fields, you get a lot of questions about, ah, salinity or or a sodic spot. If you're doing the same thing and it's going backwards, it's going to continue going backwards. So we're talking about gypsum today, calcium sulfate, and, and some of the things you can do with those nutrients. We'll be right back diving into the Ag PhD mailbag after this. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient flutriophol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit MortonBuildings.com.
Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Get the most out of every acre of your farm by attending Ag PhD's workshops and clinics this winter. I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting several free workshops throughout January and February with seven full days of events on the docket, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information that we can't wait to share. And best of all, these events are free. Register today at agphd.com. What does winter have in store? I'm Greg Souter with 360 Yield Center. We don't know what's gonna happen in three days and certainly not in three months. So there's no way of knowing what's gonna happen to the nitrogen we applied this fall. But by moving your application to spring, with the 360 bandits on your planter, you know your nitrogen will be there when the plant needs it. And with the split application with 360 wide drop, you can add just what the plant needs to finish strong. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com. It's planting season. Race against the clock season. Mistakes can't happen season. And no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster that makes your spacing and depth more accurate, and that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We've been talking about gypsum today, which, of course, is calcium sulfate. And do you have any questions on that? Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Uh, or you can just give us a, uh, an email, radio at agphd.com. Got, got a calcium question, I guess. Uh, this is from Amar. He said, my pH level is 5.5. I want to raise tomatoes. So to increase to 6.3, I've been adding some lime, but I'm curious, how long is it going to take me to get to that 6.3? If I added the proper amount of lime, when, at what point do I start the crop? And at what point do I say, you know what, I made it or I need to put on more lime? Great questions. There's no set one set answer. I would say this though, the finer your lime, basically the better your lime. So the finer, the more dissolvable, the more quick that pH is going to change. So that could easily change within one, one year. And it doesn't have to go excessive like, well, I hit 6.3 in one year, but then by year two, it was seven because I had to put on that much lime. No, I'm just talking about get a very, very fine lime. If you can find a lime that is that all goes through a hundred mesh sieve, um, that's ideal. And that will give you the most change quickly. But I, I guess I'll say this too. A lot of lime products, and I don't know where he's from, but a lot of lime products around here 
we're talking about, well, pretty much all Lyme products, we're talking about three years is kind of the standard for when it's going to break down. But we've had two years of drought, so it might take four or five years for us. So here's where I'm going with this. We made a mistake on our own farm of we put Lyme on, tested the very next year. Well, our pH isn't good enough. Let's throw more on. (laughs) That was dumb. That was dumb. So just kind of spoon feed it a little bit is usually my advice to people. But yeah, try to find a fine grade, something very dissolvable, and then hopefully your pH change will come very quick. And especially if you have moisture, it'll come quick and then it's just done. All right. Thanks for the question. Okay, Brian, got some soil tests here that are not complete tests. They're missing some micros and Brandon still wants to know what he should put out there for micros as part of his question. I thought that was kind of interesting because I was looking through the tests. I'm like, wait a second, where's the micros? Uh, So Brandon says, okay, I'm in Indiana. Curious as to what you guys would recommend for nutrition here, NPK micros, possibly foliar. What my goal is, is 220 bushel corn. I'm just curious. We've got lower CECs. Is it possible for me to raise 220 bushel corn and what would I need to apply? Okay. I was just looking through every one of the tests to make sure like there wasn't one of them that maybe had micros, but no, none of them have micros. So that's the first thing we would like to see micronutrients. Um, it is, looks like lighter soil. This one's seven, four, three. Yeah. I mean, you can raise tremendous crop on sand. We used to feel, so like growing up on the farm, what we were always taught is heavy soil is better. You want heavy soil. That's great. Well, the reason why heavy soil was better is kind of keep in mind, our dad was tight. All right. He didn't want to spend money on irrigation. And quite frankly, even if he did, we can't irrigate here on most of our ground because we have solid granite below us and you, we can't go deep enough to get a, a decent amount of water. We can get 50 gallons a minute. That's all we can get. Well, that's not going to even come close to cutting it for what we need for irrigation. So anyway, here's where I'm going with this. Well, we used to think that heavy soil was better. And obviously it is if you have if you don't have irrigation. If irrigation's available, light soil is better. I'll argue all day long that light soil is better because we can change that soil so fast. I can change my ratios. I can change almost anything out there very quickly, and it's inexpensive to change it too. If I want to change my heavy soil and I got 1% base saturation K, like in this case, he's got, uh, let's see, he got 2%, I'd say 2 2.5% is kind of the average. It doesn't cost much money to get up to 4% or even to get up to 7%. Whereas in a heavy soil, for me, it might cost me $500 to go from 1% on K up to my goal of 7% on K. Well, I mean, that's a lot of money. Anyway, um, okay, so what would we recommend? I, I would just say your soil doesn't have a lot of anything. It's got, okay, so I'm just looking at this first test. Let's just use this. 36 pounds of phosphorus. Well, that's the equivalent of 18 parts per million on P1 phosphorus. That's almost nothing. And you had 118 pounds of potassium. That'd be like 59 parts per million of potassium. Again, almost nothing. So you're going to have to put out pretty much what that crop's going to remove. And that's what I would be looking at and maybe even going a little beyond that. So I'm going to look at whatever my yield goal is. I'm going to see, okay, well, how much total P and how much total K do I need? And I'm going to make sure I've at least got that much in my soil. So your calcium and magnesium, I mean, when I look at it on the base saturation test, is not too bad. I I mean, it's around, let's call it 60 or 70 on calcium and you're around uh, 
10, 12, something like that on magnesium. So that's all not too bad. The biggest thing, though, is what's your soil pH? And kind of keep in mind, we want that pH. It doesn't have to be spectacular, but I, I see a 5.2, a 5.5, a 5.6 in here. I can just tell you, your yield is getting hurt for sure on corn when it's that low. So you got to get at least some lime out there. And if it's me, I'm probably going to use dolomitic lime because as light as your soil is, then I want to get some more magnesium out there. Dick Goff was talking about how easy magnesium flushes out of a sandy soil. That's the first thing. And we also see, well, your magnesium percentage isn't real high. We, we, you can tighten a sandy soil by getting more magnesium out there. So just kind of keep that in mind. So you can actually get a little bit more water holding capacity with a little bit more magnesium. And then other than that, we'd just like to see all, all the, the other things tested because we're missing micronutrients and, well, I, there's no nothing on sodium, soluble salts, nitrogen. I mean, we're just, we're missing everything. Now, granted, I mean, as light as your soil is, the odds are very high that you don't have much for salt or nitrogen out there because it's just not going to be held in that soil. And then the last thing I'll throw out is with leachables. And in this case, potassium will even be leachable as light as your soil is and if you're irrigating. So with all the leachables, nitrogen, phosphorus, or sorry, nitrogen, sulfur, boron, and even potassium, I'd make sure I'm making multiple applications of that. I mean, granted, boron and potassium, you might only have to make two applications per year, but nitrogen, sulfur, probably going to have to make six if you're going to have that kind of yield goal as light as your soil is. But it's easy if you got irrigation. All right. Thanks for the question. Uh, I get this one from over in Wisconsin. This one's from Adam and he's got a few tests here. He said, guys, I got some tests that are from my food plots, but but the farm ground around there we own, and we're just considering, should we farm it ourselves or should we keep renting it out? So these guys that are farming have been corn on corn for 10 years chopping silage. I know they put cow manure out there. I don't know what other fertilizers they're using. I'm getting $150 an acre cash rent. Uh, I'm just curious if you look at my soil samples, tell me what I'm up against if I decided to farm it myself or if you think I'm getting a good deal right now cash renting it out. I'm looking for where where's the soil test information. All I see is nutrient recommendations. There's, there's a few things Fertilizer here for P and K. Just, uh, there's a line underneath that uh, that shows pH. Here, I'll and, tell you what. You just read all because okay. I can't I can't find okay. it. Okay, so there's, yeah. Here's the thing. We get to look at a lot of different tests, Adam, and these I've never, ones are, these I've ones never, are a little different. Yeah, I've never okay, seen anything so, from that lab. So anyway. this one says soil pH 7.3, organic matter 2.5%, phosphorus 6 parts per million, potassium 63 parts per million. The other ones, uh, we've got so the P and K 13, are super low. Thirteen CEC, seven and a half pH, two and a half percent organic matter, and we've got ninety six parts per million K, twenty four parts per million phosphorus, uh, and yeah. then the other one, so twelve parts nothing. per million phosphorus, ninety parts per million K, sixteen point one CEC, and one percent. 1.7% organic matter. Yep. That's all that we have for nutrients here. So we don't have much to go no, on, Adam. We, we, we got a lot more to the story. But we can tell you the very expensive inputs, P and K, and certainly you're going to need nitrogen. Uh, you don't have much of those. Nope. So you need it's almost gonna everything. Be, it's going to be expensive. So to me, they need to be putting on a little more manure. They're taking off a lot of silage, not putting back as much fertility as, as they're taking off. 
yeah I, I mean those levels are really low really low so you're gonna have to build that soil up somehow some way if you want good yields yep and manure would be the cheapest way to get started but at this point i'd say take your 150 bucks or potentially i agree uh look for look for someone else that'll that'll do something a little different out there because yeah you're going down in in fertility level in your soil well thanks for listening to today's program and be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.